What's up, Drop Pod listeners? You can check out all new episodes of the Drop Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find all of our content on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by All County Exteriors. Discover the excellence of All County Exteriors, a third-generation leader in premier exterior home remodeling, proudly celebrating over 40 years of success. While most remodeling companies last just five years, All County Exteriors has withstood the test of time, consistently developing top-quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. Their expertise extends from small repairs to large additions, serving homeowners and builders alike. More than just a construction company, All County Exteriors is deeply committed to community service, proudly supporting organizations such as the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Rooster Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior remodeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. What's going on, Drop Pod people? How are we doing this week? Uh, Mike and I got an exciting, exciting, uh, do I want to go third exciting? Yeah, I do. We have a really exciting guest coming on this week. Uh, Mike, we had a lot of fun with him. I really, I think it was great. Um, we had Chandler, Chandler Withington come on. Uh, he is a licensed artist for the USGA, the PGA, and the RNA. Um, you've probably seen his stuff coming around. Uh, what was it? 2021? Did that one blow up? The the US Open one was that it? He he drew all the logos for all the US Opens. It, it, it's incredible, incredible work. But I know it went around like hot fire. Uh, even before I recognize and put his name to his to his work, I had remembered seeing the the artwork. Um, but he's got he's got that for the U.S. Open. He's got the Ryder Cup. He's got the PGA's. Um, he mentioned being in work with the NHL and and some Stanley Cup stuff. So he's got such a cool story uh, and how he got to where he is now. Um, doing this doing this artwork for these for these golf courses it's really it's really exceptional work and it was really cool to hear his story um a former pro at hazeltine when the Ryder cup was there so he's he's kind of bounced around all over and and again we we, we talk about like the path you take and you don't know when when a door closes another window opens and just the the doors and windows he's been through in his life is really um quite a tapestry. So really cool interview. So make sure you stick around um, for our interview with Chandler. It was, it was really, it was really a good one. Um, I know we say it all the time. It, it's, this was an exceptional one. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, listen, born and bred here in New Jersey. And, and I know some people may say, well, how does a guy like that who is at Hazeltine in Minnesota end up on a Jersey podcast, but you'll hear in his story how he was born and bred here. 
yeah. worked here, caddied here, um, talked so many golf courses here in New Jersey. Um, and then finding ways to that, you know, it all leads back to golfing in the Garden State and somehow, some way that somebody has a connection here. And Chandler's just another example. So, I mean, to, to your point, Rye, go give his website a check archive22.com some amazing things there yeah absolutely um little uh little check for this week uh today's wednesday the 30th i'm getting mm-hmm. all messed yep. up now yeah no you're right yeah 31st 31st actually take that 31st back. yeah sorry about that 31st um and obviously we record before, you know, the day we put it out, but, uh, or in the days before we put it out. So trying to figure out the day, sometimes a little tough, but yeah, last day of, uh, of January. So for those, uh, those going strong on dry January, keep the fight going. I can't say the same. I, I had a reason to celebrate. So I had, I had a cocktail. So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, someone told me about this, Mike, someone told me to borrow days from, uh, <laughs> to borrow days from February. And, uh, and I don't like the idea of borrowing a day. That seems silly to me, but I will, I will extend it a little bit. I'll, I'll hold off on drinking it a little bit in, uh, in February, but it has been a bit good. Um, so for those that are, that are listening to this, uh, party hard tomorrow. Thursday, take Friday off. You have my permission. Uh, so today's episode 69, 69 straight episodes. We've been, we've been doing this and it's, it's been again, uh, as I, as we get close, I don't know. It's just, I said it at 67 episode 69 here. just seems like we're getting, you know, 70 is going to be next week. We're just, you know, getting closer and closer, chipping away to getting a number a hundred. And, uh, seems pretty crazy mike really does uh we've put out the youtube stuff so go check us out mike and i are our uh our videos of this are on youtube we started putting you know we've had the podcast up there but that was just like with a blank sticker but if you want to see see what mike and i are are doing you know you can always check us out on youtube or you get the the full video of the podcast um up there so if you're if you're listening to this on on spotify apple or wherever you're listening it's going to be the same thing, just, you know, the, the video version is over on YouTube. Yesterday, uh, episode six, seven, episode seven of TPI Tuesday uh, came out. Um, Dr. Mike and I are, are working hard at that. So, uh, you know, make sure you go check that out. That's over on YouTube as well. Uh, Instagram's got a quick little, you know, if if you need to go there, it's got the it's got the link. Uh, but again, a, a YouTube vehicle, so so go check it out. Um, episode seven of uh, of TPI Tuesdays over there. And then this week, we skipped last week, but we do have a a Ryan's verse this Thursday. Um, I'm taking on the sixth hole at Tidewater this week. Uh, back from my trip um, over Christmas. So this is the is going to be the six hole. So I don't have really anything to tease too much this time, but uh, but certainly worth checking out. So make sure you you keep an eye out for that tomorrow. Nothing. Excited much. for that. Nothing. No, excited for that. I'm, I'm I don't envious. have I don't I'm have envious. as good a tease. <laughs> I'm envious because you know you get you got to play a little bit, and I think as the weather 
I can't even say it's really changing because it's still terrible here in the Northeast. But like, as I forecast things ahead, I'm, I'm, I want to get out there and swing the golf club a little bit. Yeah. And, and you get to do that. Yeah. I mean, I got to do it. It's now a month ago that, that these were pretty much recorded. Yeah, but you got so. to tickle your fancy a little bit. I'm still, I'm still, the golf clubs are still deep, deep in the closet. Um, so for those that, uh, for those that are, are new to following along or whatever, we put out my videos on Thursday. Um, so I got a couple couple in the coffers. Um, and then we're going to do a three with me at Tidewater. And that should kind of lead us into March uh, and where we kind of get rolling. And we should have some more stuff out there that we, we should be um, we should be rolling with a little more. So, again, stay tuned for for those. Um, we'll tell you as they as they're coming out. All right, Mike, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of, I'd say this week's a lot more little things. We got some like, like quick hitters. Where do you want to start? So let's start with the first thing. Okay. Um, I got, I got on here. The first NJ, things first on the realist. The NJ SGA schedule. Um, you know, I've had a lot of good conversations with their tournament director, Brad Barden, about, you know, what's coming up and, and, signups and registration because just like everything in life everything kind of sneaks up on us and before you know it like bam it's in your face um it's looking like that mid-february that they're going to open registration for not only the four ball but also the mid-air so if you are going to sign up for the four ball you and your partner you're gonna have to make sure you have your partner's gin number um but you're gonna have to make sure you lock in a spot because you know these things these things kind of get filled quicker than most people think. Like, oh, I can wait on it, wait on it. And then the date or the site that you're looking to play is now filled. So if you are playing in the four bowl, make sure you and your partner are ready to rock and roll. You got the date, you got the course, you got each other's gin numbers so that when you go to put all that on there, it's there. And then obviously for the mid-am, you're riding solo there. So you'll just have to make sure that you got you know, your qualifier picked out um, ahead of time because – you don't want to miss the spot where you want to play to get in the actual tournament and, and not for nothing, but the championship sites for both those tournaments, the four ball being at Hollywood, the mid am being at our, at our place down here, union league national, like what better two spots to kick off their championships in terms of locations than those two. Yeah. And, and I'm glad to hear that you and Austin are running it back. Uh, we're going to have to find Is that breaking news. Uh, didn't you just say it? Or did I just break it? You I broke you it. Just, I broke I it. Didn't, oh, I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. Is it okay uh, that I broke it? Well, I guess we don't have a choice now. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm glad you guys Ryan's, decided Ryan's to run a it guy, back. Ryan's a guy you tell a secret to that, hey, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but you still want that secret to get out. So you say, hey, listen, don't tell anybody, but you know eventually it's going to circulate to the masses. <laughs> um. Uh, I, yeah, sorry, Mike. I, I'm going to break that. I'm glad you guys are running it back again. We had an iconic interview last year while you guys were doing it. And um, I know you and Austin are so close. And, and uh, again, just it's nice for it's, you know, w when we go play, um, it's usually you carrying me. It's nice to, to take the load off your shoulders and you jump on Austin's back and let him play phenomenal golf. Uh, so that's that's uh, that's good. I'm glad you glad you guys are doing that. Yeah, thanks for breaking that. Breaking. You're welcome. Dun, dun, dun. Do you want me to cut all of this? <laughs> no, no. This, I think it's great. I think it's great. Um, but I wasn't really going to – I didn't know how I was going to say it or if I was going to tease it yet, but 
forget the tease. You just open the curtain. Here we are. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so Austin and I will run it back. You know, we're still finalizing all the details about which venue that we'll have to go qualify for. It was unfortunate that, you know, had we won that last match on, I guess, in the semifinal or the quarterfinals, whatever it ends up being, we would have been exempt into the straight to the championship because if you made it to the final four, um, you didn't have to go through qualifying. So we kind of just missed out on there. So, you know, we'll have to go through the grind just like everybody else. Um, yeah. But we're excited. And it, we had a great time. And, um, yeah, we'll run it back this year. So make sure that if you do have your partner that you guys are all ready to rock and roll because from my understanding, it looks like mid-February is going to be the sign-up um, for that. So that was that was number one on my uh, hold on hold on Mike don't oh oh easy easy I'm gonna put out a little a little announcement as well <laughs> Jesus here we go <laughs> any any plus handicap that's looking for a partner you let me know right I'm interested to play as well <laughs> so uh, so in case you don't know there are obviously like handicap limits to the tournament. You can't be a 25 and play with another 25 to get it. Okay. It's just, it's not feasible. It's not manageable. So the rule is for the four ball that a team total index cannot exceed 12.0. So to Ryan's point, he's a 10.9 index. He needs a 1.0 or lower to get into a qualifier. So if you 1. are 1.1, but you know, we're, who's counting? Okay. Yeah, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so if you are that person and you're looking for a partner, so is the big fella. I, I could be, I could be persuaded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, but, can, I can guarantee a couple of things. We're going to have a terrific time and we're probably not going to win. So there you go. Un, unless you know what can, can we team up with um Hey listen, if you well, had a obviously- guy like if you had a guy like Troy Venucci and Troy's ball could count for 18 holes. Yeah. And you just got to chip in, maybe you get lucky one time, but I mean, we've seen Troy. I don't know if we we would even chip in. Those, I'll be- tell you what, he, he's he's short, but he's stocky. He I, I'm going to jump on his shoulders. He's going to carry me and he's going to do just fine with it. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, those are those you are might, broad you shoulders. Break him, you might break him, and then your your scores are going to start to count. But nonetheless, Troy, do you want to play? Question mark. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll jump on with Troy. But that's but, yeah. the type of that's you know. But nonetheless, that schedule is going to start you know filling up. Registrations coming out, so make sure that you know you guys head over to njsj.org. Make sure you get your stuff ready to go. And Mike, I did see that one of those, uh, I think it was a qualifier is at Howell Park um, this year, like a, a qualifier. And I know that Howell Park's been going through a rather big um, renovation, I want to say, not on like the whole, but they, they basically blew up the 12th green there. Um, anyone that's played it knows there's like a, a three foot circle that you could put the pin in. That seems to be a fair location. So they, I know that they blew up that that green complex and um, and actually last time I played there they had bulldozers like over on the side getting ready for like the next day they were starting. So, um, so it'd be kind of cool to see to see what that holds. I wonder if they did any other smaller work out there. I would think they did. Like if they're gonna, hey, we got the trucks out there. This is what else we want to fix. I wonder if they did. So, um, 
that's just one specifically. It's a little little closer to home for me that I know um, is is obviously looking to showcase what they've done. So, yeah, one of the public links qualifiers is at Howell Park. Um, okay, so yeah, to your to your point. So yeah, um, but again, go take go take a look at their schedule. So that was number one on my on my hit list of of items I needed to talk about. Number two, I got to kind of tease this a little bit because I think as the podcast continues to grow and the word continues to get out there about, you know, the type of people we are and all about our you know purpose here with the podcast, you know, we've been approached by different networks or communities of podcasts to, to join them. And, and I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that it's not going to change anything about what you and I do. It's not going to change anything about how we sound. It is just going to expand our reach to find more people that want to listen, that want to interact, that want to talk golfing in the Garden State. So, you know, keep an eye out for some things within the next two or three weeks um, about some special things happening here with with the Drop Podcast and areas that you can find us because um, just like anything, you know, you're you're trying to evolve and take the next step. And this is just an unbelievable opportunity that we just could not pass up that I'm excited for. It's a journey, getting in on the ground level of something and finding areas that we can join. That is a community of podcasts that are, are all about talking golf um, to reach a broader audience is, is kind of where we're heading. And it's exciting. It truly is. Yeah, exciting is a, a great way to put it. Like when, when you and I started this, we were we were two schmoes, not really knowing what we're doing, and and now sixty nine episodes later, we're two schmoes that still don't know what we're doing. But uh, it seems like some people like you know like to listen, so it's it is cool to to have this opportunity, and um, excited to see what what the future holds for it. Yeah, so just keep an eye out for that. My next housekeeping item is listen, golf season sneaking up on us behind the scenes again. We got some things brewing for the second edition of the Drop Podcast Polos. I'm not going to tease what they look like. I'm not going to tease how good they are. I'm not going to tease how much you're going to want to have the second edition. Because last year, they flew off the racks way quicker than I thought they were. And listen, were there some stumbling blocks in terms of sizes? Sure. But like anything, you learn, you evolve, and you make the second time around even better. And that's what I'm going to guarantee and promise moving forward. That when these things get showcased, you're going to want to make sure that you jump on them early and often because the designs, the colors, the material are ones you are not going to want to miss. So yes, the second edition drop podcast polos are are getting worked on. Um and I know people have asked me, do you have any winter gear? Do you have any apparel, any merch for the winter? And quite frankly, we don't. We don't. There's no particular reason as to the why. But I will say this. The polos are going to be fire. Get ready. Hot, hot, hot lava fire. Yep. Get ready. Get ready. So those yeah. are two little things behind the scenes in terms of the network, the polos, like I know that sometimes the season can be a little dry in terms of golfing. 
but you know there is a business to this and that's what's getting worked on behind the scenes to to make this even bigger to make it even better to make it even more exciting so um i just can't wait for that stuff to to begin yeah i i think mike to your point of like winter gear it's not really something that we were um I don't want to say not prepared for it, but anticipating like, you know, again, we're, we're, we're still fairly new. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of golf balls up in the air for us. And it's just not one that we decided to pick up for this winter. But uh, again, to, to your point, like people have DM'd and asked, and it's, it's obviously got to be something we got to be ready for next winter. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're, the polos are coming out, uh, for my, for my, uh, for my bigger fellas. For my brethren, um, I'm advocating for uh, for for same material, different cut. Um, again, the material is excellent. Uh, if we're going off last year, it's like I really liked it, but but everybody said it's like suctiony, right? And I and I know, uh, I know for me, it didn't look yeah, like <laughs> uh, you know, and and uh, sausage and bratwurst taste great, but you know they're they're rolled up and that, you know, they're not always the most appealing looking. So, um, when they're in their casing. So, uh, so I am advocating for, for you guys, you know, we, we do have you out there. So again, stay tuned for, uh, for more updates on the polos, but, and but it's in the works. Our, our bigger and, and fellas, to, we're, we're in the works there. Yep. And to your point, that is an, a detail that I've been working on behind the scenes to iron out to ensure that for the larger sizes, that it is a little more comfortable it's a little less fitting um like loose fitting yeah yeah so so that is getting worked on so but yeah that, listen that was one thing uh, that, that like when we did them last year that we like everybody learned. loved them even the people that that didn't like them or, or com- i should say that like made comments that they were too tight like the bigger guys again like my brethren they they liked the material. They liked everything about the polo, the logo, the design, the, it was, it was silky. It was comfortable. It was all that stuff. It was just, it was just too tight. And that was, that's something that like, we don't want to have you buy something that you're not going to wear and, and not going to fully a hundred percent enjoy. And that's something that for us, that, that matters. And not just for me personally, because obviously I'm there with you, but, but for everybody that's buying something we want, we want you to love it, and that's great that you love the material, the design, the look, the feel. But if it's not something you're going to be comfortable in playing golf, we, we don't want to. Yeah, we're not. We're not. Frankly, we're, yeah. we're not trying to push something on you that you're not going to love. So. Yep. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I think we got to give a little shout out here to Chris Goddard. Yes. You know, out there in California, you know, playing a course that I know you speak very highly of that you've been out there that your putter head cover is all about. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure it comes up in conversation quite often. Um, but Chris made his first cut of the 2024 season out there at Torrey Pines. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, Max, you know, did not make the cut this week. Uh, Ryan is, is 0 for 2 in terms of making the cut, but it's probably a matter of time before, you know, he knocks down the door there. But you know, Chris is going to collect his first PGA Tour check of the 2024 season, and yes, um, hopefully it, it, it's a catalyst moving forward because you know they got another great event next week with with the AT and T out there at Pebble Beach. So mm-hmm. you know those it's exciting times. Uh, you know, from a New Jersey perspective, to see our guys, you know, make, first off playing, you know, getting on the PGA Tour is a huge accomplishment. And then not only are they playing, but they're making cuts, and now they get to the weekend, they're making some extra dough. Um, and we all know that the money right now on the PGA tour is absolutely insane. 
So kudos to them, repping New Jersey and, and finding ways to, to just frankly get it done. Yeah, I, I Mike, as as you've said, I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. I absolutely love. I, I got to play Tory South, and it was it was a special special place. It, it was, uh, I, it was literally indescribable. I, I mean, I played it at a time I wanted to as well. Um, I played it a little little more afternoon because it's on the cliffs, the Pacific's right there. So I'm having I finished my round, my my, you know. Uh, the sun's setting. I'm having a cocktail on the patio, and it's uh, again just it was just stunningly beautiful. And and then you talk about how good the course is, and they got the the Tory Pines out there, and the the architecture, the it, the whole thing was just just tremendous. I I cannot speak highly enough about about how much I love that course. And and if you know that my as Mike said, my putter cover, uh, I take my I take my my putter. Uh, driver and woods covers. No, I don't have iron covers. Uh, very, very seriously. <laughs> I will. I will put this out there for a PSA. If Ryan had iron head covers, this podcast would never have begun. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I try to. I try to pick and choose. You know, it's not like I get to go to awesome places all the time. But uh, Tory was one that I was like, this place deserves. Uh, one of my covers and um and so it was it it's yeah it's my putter cover i absolutely love it um that place is is magical to say the least so for chris um to make the cut there jersey guy i was super 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 happy for him so yeah um i can't i can't confirm or deny if i gave him some tips on the on the course but um I'll take, i did i'll take i'll take the latter but nonetheless you know. i did wish him good luck and and uh we we DM quickly back and forth but yeah it was uh it's great it's you know again making making it is great but you look at like we just talked about what's next for what's the next thing like he made the pga tour awesome good for him chris like legitimately couldn't be happier for you now the next thing is he's going to collect a check and and is that's got to be like a really true pro golfer feeling right like you got your card you get the the physical like we saw all that right but until you collect that first check, uh, I, I'd imagine it's got to be – that's got to be something for it. You know, yeah, that's got to be another step check, to it. It's the first check of this season because if you if you remember in the past, before last season, he had played quite a few events on right. the PGA Tour through sponsors exemptions, and he did make a big-time run at the John Deere. Yeah. He made a big-time run out at the in Bermuda, I think, in, at that tournament as well. So, like, he's collected a check before, but I think in terms of having his card. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. It, I get, having that yeah. feeling has got to be yeah. a little – it's got to be a little different. Yeah, no doubt. Totally yeah. agree. So, so shout-out to Chris. I, I had to make sure we got that in there. Um, and I got one little tidbit to, to go on before I get your take on this one because it, it's been the talk of golf Twitter the last, you know, probably 24, 40 hours. But we did talk about Nick Dunlap last week, and we kind of hinted towards the idea – it had to be a no-brainer for Nick Dunlap to go pro um, after what he did at the American Express. And I'm not going to say we called it because I think it was clear as day, but <laughs> Nick Dunlap does decide to forego his college experience. He's jumping on the PGA Tour. I knew there was some rumors circulating, like, does he jump to the live and go play over there because his stock may not be higher. And it's, it's a perfect kind of live type thing to take the young hot talked about item right now and bring them over there but nick has said he's going to play on a pga tour so i'm sure he'll be out in pebble beach next week as well so 
you know, we called it. Not really sure if it was a a, a, a good call or an yeah. obvious one, but we made it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, we, uh, nothing to add there. We, yeah. It was a no-brainer decision. The only thing that I thought, like I said last week, was the holdup of how loyal is he to, like, his teammates? Does he wait until this the spring golf season ends and then enter it? That was the right. only thing. Yeah. But nonetheless, he's off there. So here's my here's my question for you today, because I feel like I live on my phone and I'm constantly reading things and I'm constantly you, checking things. Go ahead. Make your comment. Go ahead. You don't need I, to feel like that. You actually are. OK, so there you go. You got that jab in. It's good. Knock back a little bit real quick. Now, now I'm, I'm picking myself up off the ground yeah. here. I can run you over again if you want. Just Breaking put it news right now. Anthony Kim is making a comeback. AK. Now, AK is coming back. And there hasn't there wasn't a larger than life figure at the time than Anthony Kim. Whether it was the belt buckles, whether it was him with Tiger at a clinic, him talking about how Tiger hits his sandwich 118, and then Anthony Kim being like, Well, I don't know. Some days I hit it 100, some days I hit 125. I just don't know until I go to the range that day. That dude was electric, I think, to say the least. And then if we all know, he kind of disappeared. And he became like the Yeti. You just didn't know what Anthony Kim was doing. Is he alive? No. Is he not alive? What's, what's going on with Anthony Kim? But he got injured. He ended up getting a you know workers' compensation injury settlement type thing worth, worth about $10 bucks. Now, with that settlement, He's not allowed to come back on the tour and play unless he pays that back. And everybody kind of hinted towards the idea, like Anthony Kim's done. He, not, but Anthony Kim resurfaces. And he's in talks with the PGA Tour and Live Golf about returning to professional golf. He's 38 now. So he's in, he's in our neck of the woods. Yeah. But I saw a video on Nuclear Golf just yesterday of a recent video of Anthony Kim swinging the golf club. It still looks pretty damn pure to me. What is your take on Anthony Kim returning well, to the game of golf? Well, Mike, if I'm not mistaken, he's been doing like that whole, um, that whole uh, injury settlement, whatever, like it, with the insurance, whatever, whatever it was, like that whole thing. He's been doing like clinics or like long drive things in Vegas. If I'm not mistaken, I remember there was like a like a couple years ago, and, and it's more than a couple because I feel like it was pre-COVID. They had like a what's Anthony Kim doing? And he was like, I don't want to say teaching, but like he was he was doing like funky competitions and in, in like people would pay to watch him like hit a golf ball at like a target and hit the target. And there was like you know I feel like that was something he was doing, but I, I, I mean, he's been an iconic figure for a long time. I mean, from, from not really, I mean, you say he's 38 born in 85 when, when, when I just looked it up, he doesn't have a birthday Wikipedia, which I think we can all agree is, is a pretty reliable source for a lot of things. Wikipedia doesn't have his birthday on there it just says 1985. So Brother proves my point. He's the Yeti. He's, yeah, he's mysterious man. Uh, the white pants, the belt buckles, the the mystery. Yeah, he's 
I think it's good for golf. I think a character like him is is good for golf. It draws eyes. It, you know, I I think that's good. In what capacity? You know, if he's in talks with the PGA Tour and with Liv, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure that's great for golf. Because so okay, he can't play on the PGA Tour because he has this settlement. Why didn't he go to Live when that first opened? Then he can't play. Period. The insurance policy states he's not allowed to play professional golf. Oh, okay. So Liv has offered him a one-year contract to pay for the settlement along with paying him Along with joining and be, yeah. Yeah, whatever, like everybody else. So he's, he can't play professional golf unless this settlement is paid back. Okay. So somehow, some way, he would need to work out the holdups of this $10 million insurance policy. Um. What's the injury? Do you know what the injury is? Again, there's just so much mystery around this. Like, what kind of, what kind of, who agreed to this $10 million, like, insurance thing? Well, it just seems he, crazy to me. He had, he had gone, he had Achilles surgery in 2012. Um, that was kind of like expected to, he was supposed to like recover from that. Right. And then from there, he ended up having, I don't know if, if it was like wrist problems or, what what ended up happening, but it was like a a combination of things that kind of just like made him constantly start withdrawing from from tournaments. Um, so whatever the case was, you know, I yeah, I don't know really the the, the fallout of terms yeah, but- of what actually was it. Um, but nonetheless, listen, I would love to see that dude back out there. Yeah, I mean, think about him when he when he romped Sergio at the Ryder Cup mm-hmm. five and four. He was like at the top of the world. Yeah, he was at like the top. Of, it was all Anthony Kim, Anthony Kim, Anthony Kim. Now he didn't win a, a gazillion tournaments, but he was that fiery electric guy that we all love to root for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, and, like again, like a character. Yeah, that just is good for golf. So, listen, I don't know what comes about, but clearly, the Yeti is resurfacing. The belt buckle may be making a return. And it's hard to argue like this live golf PGA tour thing, because I think at the end of the day, somehow, some way they're all just going to merge anyway. So it's kind of like, yeah. Do you get your money and eventually just hope it just falls into place? But which is what we think John Rom did, right? That's what we, yeah. And I I think that's kind of what your boy Turrell Hatton's about to do too, to go jump on his team. But my boy, I, I think the idea that, Anthony Kim is going to make a return. I'm super stoked. I loved him. His energy. He's like, he's like that fireball that just is like, I don't know. He just, I feel like he's one of us. Right. I go to the range today. I hit it a hundred. I hit it sometimes 125. I don't know. I just hit the damn thing. How I feel. And that's, that's, that's so like good. something I say. Like that's that's right. not professional golf. Professional golfers are dialed in. They know what dimple they're hitting on the golf ball. Yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if I'm hitting the ball or the ground first. Right, and I think that's great that it, he just kind of can relate to us. Um, so I don't know really what this 2024 season will entail. Clearly, he does have some exemptions as being a past champion. Um, so he'll have some status on some lesser events. Um, he's obviously not going to get into the signature events because he doesn't have those, um, requirements per se, but there's no doubt, no doubt that some sponsor exemptions would be tossed his way Mm -hmm. because why not get Anthony Kim in your event? 
are you able to buy stock in belt buckles? Because that stock's about to rise rapidly. Yeah, except we don't know what belt buckle specifically that brand. Uh, that's what I'm saying. The whole can you is that is that like gold where you can buy and sell gold? The whole just the whole thing. <laughs> well, that's something we'll have to figure out. So. But nonetheless, listen, it's exciting things going on right now in the PGA Tour. Anthony Kim returning. You know, listen, it's an exciting time in golf. I, I I know we've said it over and over again. The PGA Tour season's heating up. The golf season here in New Jersey is about to start unfolding with signups and and the MGA events. It's it's listen. At the end of the day, I know it may be January 31st and it's the last day of January, but hey, listen, I know we're all itching to get out there and play. I just can't wait for that to actually begin. Absolutely. All right, Mike, you got you got any more of these uh, quick hitters here? No, listen, that wraps it up for me. I know I had my little, my little index card of sheet here that I wrote down some things, <laughs> um, but that touches on them all. Yeah. And I listen. I think, again, to top off the episode, put the icing on the cake, Chandler Withington is, is a phenomenal listen. The stories he told Rye about the Ryder Cup, his idol about Davis Love, about being in the meetings, yeah. in the meetings, and the Tiger Woods story that he shares, dude. Epic. Epic. Yeah. And I'm not saying anymore because you just got to just keep listening. Yep. Just keep it, listening. It's going to come at you here. But – uh when Mike says in the meetings, I hope you know, in the Ryder Cup meeting, he, he found something at Hazeltine and shares it with Davis Love. And he's like, hey, I think this is something that we can use at his home court. Like, they talk about home course advantage, like that the Europeans set up the Ryder Cup that suits them and the U.S. does it here when they come. He's the one that did that at Hazeltine. He's the one that's like notices something. So that story, it, it, again, the whole thing, super, super awesome. Uh, I do want to give a shout-out as well to his to his website one more time. Uh, Archive22 is uh, archive22.com, I guess I should say. Uh, go check out his stuff. It, it's uh, Again, it's incredible that it's that it's hand-drawn stuff by him. So... So go check that out. But uh, now we're going to send you to our interview with Chandler. Enjoy. Comstock Yacht Sales has been the Jersey Shore's number one boat dealer since 1973. Did you know that Comstock now has two on-water sales locations to better serve the boaters across New Jersey? Their full-service marina is located at 704 Princeton Avenue in Bricktown, and their all-new sales location can be found at Navisink Marina and Seabright. Comstock currently carries some of the best boat brands manufactured today. The team at Comstock is proud to be New Jersey dealers for Regulator Center consoles, Grady White Boats, Tiara Yachts, Seapro, Four Winds, and MGM Yachts. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned boat or looking for help selling your current boat, Comstock Yacht Sales is the place to go. Go online to see their full new boat lineup or stop into one of their two locations today. They can be found at ComstockMarina.com. That's ComstockMarina.com. Or for immediate sales assistance, text them now at 732-604-1237. That's 732-604-1237. So today's guest is another one that I think the stories could be endless in terms of what he's able to share with us. He's a proud PGA member. 
He's a licensed artist for the USGA, the RNA. Um, and like his, his Twitter bio says, he brings a history of golf to your wall in a hand-drawn way. Today's guest is Chandler Withington. Chandler, thank you so much for coming on today's show. No, thank you guys. Great to be on with you. Yeah, good to have you, Chandler. Yeah, listen, like like I said to you in the pre-show, like connecting with people on social media has been an unreal adventure for me. And talking to people, introducing myself to who we are and kind of what we do, being able to cross paths with someone like you and the stories that you have, I think are going to be right up the audience's alley. Because I know people may say to me, like, well, Mike, how, how does, what's the connection with Chandler and, and golfing in the Garden State? Um, but I think before I spoil that aspect, you know, knowing that you grew up here in New Jersey, you caddied at a top five golf course as a kid, just like so many of all of us. Why don't you give the audience a little bit of background about you? Because I know not only are the roots here in New Jersey, but they far extend outside as well. Yeah, thanks. Well, I think, you know, to, to start with uh, New Jersey and where I'm from, and when people always ask you, like, where are you from? I'll always come back to saying I'm from Basking Ridge, New Jersey, uh, right in the middle of the state. Um, you know, I grew up uh, in a family where my dad worked in New York City for Pfizer uh, for over 25 years. Uh, so we grew up in the shadow of the city, um, getting in the city and, and growing up as a New York sports fan. Um, but, if, you know, if I had to kind of give you like where did this all start for me and i i didn't grow up in a golfing family meaning like you know my dad didn't play golf he wasn't the one who taught me how to play golf i i didn't have any friends that played golf um as a kid who grew up in you know the mid mid to late 80s early 90s um you know golf was not anything that was on anybody's radar um, i grew up playing little league and started getting into hockey later as a kid um but I think, you know, where it really started for me, Mike, was um, we went down to Hilton Head Island uh, spring break of 1992. And um, we were staying on a house on Harbortown uh, the week of the MCI Heritage. Um, you know, PGA Tour, maybe I knew it was something, but it certainly wasn't anything I gave any thought to. But all my cousins were, you know, the tour was going on in the backyard that week. And they're like, come on, let's go watch golf. Let's go watch golf. And I was like, well, you guys have fun. Uh, but, you know, eventually they got me to go out there and uh, they got me to go out there and we sat behind a par five tee and watched the guys hit drivers. And this was right in the early 90s when, you know, persimmon was still around, uh, but metal was starting to come into the game. And uh, for, you know, you guys remember the first time you saw professional golf, like it, it grabs you. And um, you watch a ball, you know, fly, you know, three football fields away. And it was like, what was that? And uh, uh a younger player back then, you know, young back then was late twenties and it wasn't what it is today with Nick Dunlaps, et cetera. Um, but a younger player came around and hit persimmon driver out of sight. And I thought it was the coolest thing that I had ever seen. And he was young. So we, we kind of followed him around that week and, uh, you know, sure enough, he went on to win the tournament. So immediately became my favorite player. And, you know, the conversation driving back to New Jersey from that spring break was, yeah, I want to figure this out. I want to learn how to play. And, you know, how do I get started? I don't know anybody who plays the game, but um, my education as a kid was I, I just would get home and VCR that player uh, whenever he was on TV. If you remember the three letters VCR. Um, <laughs> now, kind of, I'm dating myself here. Um, no, I got but, it. I remember that yeah. vividly. Yeah. But I would just kind of uh, watch that player rewind and go out in the backyard and try to imitate what I was seeing on TV. Um, so that's where it started for me. Going back to that answer about golf, it, it is kind of unique because 
when you think about how people get into the game, it's always a, a, a father, a grandfather, a relative, someone that kind of drives them to the game. And knowing that like your experience with getting in the game was just unique in a sense, because we've heard the stories one way or another, but for you to fall in love with the game while watching it live at a PGA tour stop at a beautiful spot, you know, I think that just encompasses really what golf is. It, once you get addicted to it, you become obsessed. And I think that's sounds like a little bit of a, about your story as well, about how you got hooked on the game. You know, I think I was about uh, five years before Tiger, you know, when Tiger came along and took everyone and captivated everyone with the 97 Masters and everything he did after. Uh, we, we had kind of a saying um, in all the years I've been doing this, like the golf ball doesn't know uh, where you came from, how you got into the game, what inspired it. It just knows who's hitting it. Um, you know, if, if you learn how to square the club face up, you know, the ball is going to go as straight as it does for everyone else. So, uh, but those moments, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in moments. Uh, one of my favorite books is the power of moments. Um, and all these different moments come along, whether it's, you know, somebody introduced you to the game, um, or what inspired you or captivated you or caught you, you know, for me, it was the 1992 MCI at, at Harbortown. Who was the golfer? Davis Love. Yeah, another Sea Island, Georgia oh. guy. You can't, you know, listen, that's so it's, it's a great guy. And no offense, he dominated that tournament. Yeah. I, I think if I remember correctly, I felt like as a kid growing up, he was always the one putting the red coat on all the time. All the time. Yeah. So listen, it's a it's a great person to fall in love with the game because of. Yeah, that 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 tournament was his baby, but it was it was the golf swing. Um, he made it look so easy and effortless, and he was still hitting a persimmon driver, which you know it sounded like a gunshot when it went off, um, and the ball went a mile. Um, and again, he was he was young. He was Jordan Spieth back then, right? Um, he was the young upstart, so you know he, he made golf look cool for me. But, uh, I wanted to pay attention. And then, like, so as as you've gotten older, you know, and, and not to date you here, but like. You go through college and explain the background and the story about how you end up at Hazeltine. Because I think when the audience or anybody hears Hazeltine, I, you know, I, you got to think that the 2016 Ryder Cup is the first thing that pops into probably the majority of our minds. Because we all know that the Ryder Cup is mainly that one golf event, maybe outside Sunday at Augusta, that we all are glued to the TV, regardless of where it is. But knowing that event was at your golf course with you leading the way at that golf course. Like, how does that happen? Uh, today I try and ask myself that same question. Yeah, how does a, <laughs> a guy from, uh, how does a guy from Baskin Ridge who didn't start playing golf at 14 end up in this position? Um, I think there's two journeys that kind of go uh, side to side here that we'll talk about both of them. But you know, from the golf journey, um, I would say, like, I don't know if you guys can remember back to when you were in high school. I, I went to Ridge High School in Baskin Ridge, and you know, your guidance counselor, you know, kind of sets you down, and we have to have that talk about who we're going to become and get serious about the next step. Um, so the answer that I had to that question of, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up for years for me was that I wanted to be an architect. That was the goal uh, and the dream for me. My dad kind of took me around to to different stadiums as a kid. Of course, I got to grow up going to great places like Yankee Stadium and Madison Square Garden, but he took me to like, you know, Fenway and Old Tiger Stadium and Wrigley and Comiskey Park and Candlestick. And, you know, how does that stadium have a, you know, stanchions that come out for a football game and go back for a baseball game? I was so captivated by all that. 
that uh, that was what I wanted to be. And I remember telling my guidance counselor, well, I'm going to be an architect. And, you know, she kind of smiled. She goes, that's great. Um, what else do you like to do? And it was uh, it was her nice way of saying, like, that'd be great if you had the grades. I, I did. Yeah. Um, I was a, a C plus student at best. Um, so I thought that was her polite way of saying, like, just tell me more about yourself. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, this was two years after I found golf and I was really starting to, to fall in love with it. And uh, I said, well, I'm starting to like golf. And she goes, you know, golf, is there a a future or a career that you could have in golf. And I just started to, to learn about these PGM schools, professional golf management schools that you could go to and study the business of golf. And um, the next thing I knew, she kind of bait and switched me. And I was like, yeah, I, I could go play golf and be a golf pro. And um, I never looked back. You know, I just kind of shelved the architecture thing and went full board towards golf. Um, I think if you talk to enough people in the industry and I've listened to your podcast and you guys have, um, Everyone eventually has, you know, I was listening to, to the podcast with Dave uh, Reisner. I was just talking about just randomly dropping his resume off at Ridgewood and look what it's become now 25 years later. Uh, for me, I got a break. Um, Canuber Country Club and Summit. Um, I played there once in high school and they have two nice golf courses that um, I just thought about, look, when I'm off the clock, I'll have two golf courses to, to play from. And I went in and put him, same as Dave, put in my resume for an internship and I met the golf professional. His name was Greg Lecker. And um, I didn't know much about Greg. Um, I didn't know that Greg came from Oakmont Country Club in Pittsburgh. I didn't know that he worked for Bob Ford, um, who's really you know such the godfather of, of golf professionals right now in the PGA. And I didn't know how this all worked, uh, but I got a break. And I got an opportunity to do three internships at Canoebrook for Greg. And that came back to, to pay it off later for me, you know, about five or six years later when um, – he sent me down to Seminole in the winters uh, in West Palm Beach, and I got to spend some winters with Bob. And uh, another door opened for me uh, to go to Marion Golf Club in Philadelphia as the lead assistant uh, in 2007. And and then you kind of get to that. It's like it's like a triangle, like most industries. You know, you, you're getting towards the top, and the opportunities are getting to be fewer, and the and the competition's getting to be harder uh, to get these these rare opportunities. Um, and I'd interviewed for three years um, when I was at Marion for head jobs and was getting really close to a lot of them. And uh, I, I learned a lot in not getting those jobs for three years of interview. I learned how this all works and how to communicate who I am and what I do and how I can help um, in learning, you know, what was valuable to Hazeltine. And uh, I was just able to get the stars to line up at Hazeltine at, at the end of 2012 and uh, they hire you and, you know, you're so thrilled to just be a head, head golf professional. I was going to be thrilled to be a head pro anywhere. If you knew the list of places that I interviewed, I just, I wanted to lead. And now I'm ending up going halfway across the country and the Ryder Cup is coming four years later. So that that's a condensed version of how I got there. You know, you're taking 15 years of experience and, you know, consolidating into like a three minute journey. But um, there's a timing to everything, I think, also in life. Um so, you know, that, that's, that's a big part of it, though, is um, I think I got there because of people who believed in me, invested their time in me. And then I just I got lucky with the timing of how things worked and, and which doors opened up at the right time. Yeah, I mean, those golf courses are unreal. When you talk about like, you know, and I was doing my research and checked out some of the, the, the listings and the bios. And I'm like, you're talking Seminole. Okay. You're talk I mean, even Carnewbrook here in New Jersey, I think can be a little underrated at times. Um, and, and they host a lot of big time USGA qualifiers. So it's on the radar. So it's not like, 
it just doesn't maybe get talked about as other golf courses here in New Jersey. But then you're talking about Seminole, which is like the cream of the crop down there. Those views along the ocean are just absolutely stupid. Um, then you're coming Marion. back up here. Yeah. Then you're coming back up here to the Northeast with Marion. Nothing beats their, 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 um, their pins, like the whole thing, the whole, everything about it. That's just so unique. And then you end up at Hazeltine. It's like, man, it's, it is like you said, one unbelievable spot after another on this incredible journey. But then like 2016 comes and the Ryder cup shows up to Hazeltine. Mike, I want to ask him before we get into the Ryder cup there, I, when you interviewed for the job at Hazeltine, did they, did you bring up the Ryder Cup? Like they chose the right, like they chose Hazeltine prior to oh, oh yeah. you getting there, right? That's years out. Oh yeah. Yeah. So how big of that do you, and maybe you don't even remember, but how big of that was in your interview? Like, hey, we have this enormous international event coming. Are you able to handle it? Like, what was that like in that interview process in getting that job? Yeah, Ryan, I think two things. Um, one, they, they like the fact that I've been a part of preparing for championships at Marion. We had the U.S. Open coming the next year after I interviewed at Hazeltine. So having that experience in, in what Mike kind of referenced with Canoebrook, um, another place that I've been, I'd worked for the Masters a little bit. I, I had a little bit of background in preparing for these things. So that helped. But to put the Ryder Cup in perspective, I remember uh, one of the people on the search committee saying to me, he goes, look, the Ryder Cup's important, you know, for not just uh, what it means for us, but for a lot of reasons, but try to remember like that's one week out of, you know, if you, if you end up working here for 30 years, that's one week out of 30 years, the other weeks aside from that are all serving our membership and making the experience great for them. So just to put it in perspective, like it's important, but how we serve the members here every day is what our focal point is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So now going into the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I mean, cause I think, I think this is, I, and I'm sure their stories could be endless in terms of what that whole experience is like. And then I'm sure, you know, cause the follow-up question people I'm sure would ask me that I'm going to ask you is like, you're at Hazeltine, the Ryder cup comes and then you move on from that. Like, wow, that's crazy. But let's, let's go first step first. So the Ryder cup comes to your golf course. Like you've been there now for a few years, you're established, like, but now these cream of the crop, biggest event in golf comes to your place. Tell us a little bit about that experience. If you go back to um, when I was interviewing for Hazeltine, um, it was in the fall of 2012. I actually did my first interview in early September, 2012, got invited back for a second interview um, in late September. And then the Ryder cup was played at Medina. And this was a team that was captained by my childhood hero, Davis love. And we know how that one ended. Um, 10-6 lead on Sunday. They lose. Um, not knowing if I was even going to be at Hazeltine, that one just sucked for me personally. Um, then I get there. Um, the next home one's going to be there. So we go to Scotland in 2014. Uh, this was the Ryder Cup where Tom Watson was the captain. Um, again, didn't go very well in a different way. And uh, we're sitting in front of the stage um, in Scotland in 14. I'm wondering, like, what kind of team is going to show up on our doorstep here in two years? Um, go a few months later, February 15, um, I'm sitting in my office, uh, snowing outside. Like it always is here. Uh, everyone had kind of gone home. I was, I was sitting sit in my office working on something and I got a text from the late Tim Rosafort, um, who I knew from West Palm beach and Rosie texted me and said, look, I, I remember you from your time down here. And I remember your story. Um, you need to know they're going to name Davis love as captain on Monday. And, uh, I mean, Mike, I, I sat and stared at that text for 15 minutes 
And it's a mix of um, excitement. Um, you know, we're going to get a second chance to get him, you know, through this one mix of fear. Uh, you know, what if this doesn't go well? You know, what if we lose? I mean, he'll probably never talk to me again. And I know your, your listeners won't see it, but uh, it's a picture of uh, when I caddied for him at Seminole um, in 06. And wow. Oh, cool. I had the same... I had the same fear and excitement. I know a lot of people who who gotten to meet their heroes, um, and it, it didn't it didn't turn out great. We you know, we we hold them on such a pedestal, and then we finally get to meet them. And if it doesn't go well, it crushes your soul, right? Um, when I met Davis, like he could not have been nicer to me, uh, more encouraging of the path that I was on as, as becoming a PG professional, like his dad. Um, so I you know I had a relationship with him uh, coming into 2015 when he showed up, and. Um, I think, you know, Mike, my, my mindset shifted when they named Davis as captain as, look, I, obviously I'm going to care about the success of this event, but now it just went up about 10 levels. Um, mm-hmm. So my mindset shifted into um, how can I help and, and what kind of questions is he going to ask me? And when you get to host a Ryder Cup and you're the home team, you get to set up the golf course however you want to. So mm-hmm. um, I really want to be prepared, you know, for the questions he was going to ask about the golf course. But um, my family had just given me the last 20 years of DVDs on uh, the Ryder Cup. And uh, so for about the next three months, as we finished out winter in 2015, I kept watching the old Ryder Cups and, you know, specifically the losses. You know, why do we keep losing this? Is it just as simple as that they're better? Um, can we learn anything from especially how they play at home? And some things started jumping out. Uh, I started catching some trends and then I started putting numbers to the trends. And uh, I had my homework ready and I talked to enough people in my circles to be like, look, if if Davis starts talking about some of this stuff, should I bring this up? And they're like, if, if you have something that you think can help the team and you don't speak up, you'll regret it. Um, so I, you know, thank, again, thankfully I had a relationship with him to where I felt like I could. Uh, but yeah, when he showed up in the summer of 15 and we started playing the golf course together, you know, he started going near the things that I felt like he should know. And um, to give him a lot of credit when I started throwing the, some of the numbers at him, him doing this a second time and having lost, he was willing to think about things differently. And he was willing to accept other perspectives um, and how people viewed things. And he used them, you know, in his strategy. But, um, yeah, Mike, to your point, I mean, I've done presentations on the Ryder Cup for three hours and I could talk about it for 10. Um, you kind of hinted at, you know, how do you move on from it? Um, you don't really have to, you know, because it went our way, you know, everything that could have gone our way, my experience was a 15 out of 10. Um, and we just get to kind of live in that. Um, but you also have to come back to like, you know, back to what we just talked about is, you know, okay, Ryder Cup's over back to, to serving the membership. Um, and, uh, and that's what I continued to do until the, until the day I left. Yeah. That's I mean, so... that, that, that team too, you know, I know Tiger wasn't on that team specifically, but still, the names on there, you know, you're talking Phil, you're talking Ricky, you're talking still, you know, Jordan Spieth, Dustin, you still Brooks, you're talking big name guys, nonetheless, that are coming into your place. Like, I, I can only imagine being a little kid in the candy store, seeing these guys come in there. And then you're talking about like your hero being Davis Love, My, mine's Tiger, and I rant and rave about Tiger nonstop. Like, I can only imagine if my experience like yours, yeah, it would be a 15 out of 10. So, and on top of that, the USA dominates, but the Ryder cup ends. Obviously you now, like you said, you move on to like, now I'm going back to my day-to-day job really, which is serving the membership because that's really what I was hired to do. But then art gets involved here. Okay. And 
you know, me being the golf nerd that I am and, and I start seeing things and, and there are times where I look at people like you and I'm like, I can't believe I'm actually DMing with these guys and they actually respond because I never thought that I look at you guys and, and you're on a whole other level than someone like Ryan or myself. But at the end of the day, you are just a normal human being that loves the game of golf, that wants to talk the game of golf the same way we are. How does art get involved here? Well, let me do a few things in, in how I answer that. Um, one, because you're, you're a Tiger fan, um, people ask me all the time, if you could share one story from the Ryder Cup, what would you share? Um, and it's a story that involves Tiger. Uh, we have to remember that he was an assistant captain here in 16. Um, yeah. I, I meant like actually yeah. teeing it up. Yeah, but yes, sure. to your point, you're right. Sure, he was really involved. Um, you know, this was a time where he had the back fusion surgery, um, so he wasn't playing golf. This was at a time when um, his game had almost hit ground zero. Um, he needed to be around people. You know, when Davis made him assistant captain, um, he was so involved with the course setup, the course um, to the pairings, but he was great with the guys. Um, so I'm going to talk about the artwork stuff here in a second, but where it really starts and why I share this story is we have to have proper perspective about what's most important you know, and why things matter. So um, fast forward to the end of Ryder Cup, USA wins. Uh, they go to the, the stage. They do the closing ceremony, closing press conference. And we're back in the locker room. And, you know, I had access to the team because of my relationship with Davis. Um, if it was anybody else, I'm probably on the outside looking in. Um, but the players are cleaning out their lockers and we're getting ready to go back to the hotel um, in Eden Prairie for, which is really where the real party is, going back to the hotel and the team room in the hotel. And as the guys are packing up their locker, uh, Tiger says, hey, guys, come here. I want to talk to everyone for a second. Guys kind of gather around. I'm kind of standing behind Tiger. And he says, hey, tonight, when we go back to the hotel, let's really stay up late and enjoy this one. And I kind of watched, you know, Phil was in the, in the forefront, uh, Jordan, um, and uh, they're all kind of like, you gathered us around to tell us that. And they're all kind of like laughing. The Tiger's not laughing. They finally stopped laughing. And Tiger says, you know, guys, the reason I say that is, you know, you go back to 1999 at Brookline, you know, with the comeback win, we go back to the hotel, we have dinner, uh, we have, you know, drinks, party. But, you know, it's like this week takes it out of you. So about 10 o'clock, I went back up to my room and I got in bed. I just kind of exited stage left and let you guys keep going. About an hour later, somebody's pounding on my door. And every Ryder Cup, it's always players only on the same floor, so it could only be one of his teammates. And for 15 minutes, whoever it is, is not going away. So I finally get out of bed, and I answer the door, and it's Payne Stewart. And Payne's got this big smile on his face. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, dude, I've, I've got nothing left. I'm already in bed. He goes, yeah, so what? None of us do. Come on, get back downstairs. He goes, no, you guys go ahead without me. I'm good. He goes, well, I'm not leaving without you. Tiger says, Payne, what's the big deal? Payne Stewart says, Tiger, the big deal is you never know if you ever get this moment again. So you make it last as long as you can. You know, Tiger's mindset in 99, he goes, Payne, we're going to do this every two years. Payne Stewart says, you don't know that. Get downstairs. Tiger said, I'm so glad that Payne came back to get me. And I went downstairs and stayed up late and we'll always remember that night. And you know what? Payne Stewart was right. Um, that was the only winning team I ever played on. And we lost him three weeks later. And uh, I got to watch. Yeah. I got goosebumps. Oh, my God. I got to watch the facial expression guys change. Phil Mickelson was the first guy to walk up and be like, thanks, Tiger. Like, it was a, it was a perspective moment. 
you can even watch like, um, you know, I love Dustin Johnson. He's not the sharpest pencil in the box. Um, but you know, Dustin, had, <laughs> Dustin had that, like Payne Stewart died. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, when did that happen yeah. <laughs> that's great we landed on the moon <laughs> but um the guys got the message and i think you were looking at where tiger was in his life having gone from the top to the bottom he understood what was important um and the guys got the message i, I would tell you i left the hotel at like 2 a.m that morning and you know they were all still down there so um so I think the perspective of that, Mike, and, and how that maybe goes into to what I'm doing now with artwork and, and where this came from, I try and tell the story this way. Um, 2018, uh, my wife Maureen and I are having our, our third kid. I mean, technically she's having it. I'm just kind of there supporting her. <laughs> but uh, we have our third kid and uh, everything goes smooth. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup with our middle uh, daughter. Um, everything's fine. But our third, everything goes smooth. You know, we're driving home from the hospital and my wife kind of says to me, you know, my chest feels kind of tight and just something feels off here. And I'm thinking it's just overexertion of, you know, delivery and getting back on your feet. And we get home, she's like, something's off. I'm going to call my doctor. And they said, you know, why don't you just go down to the local ER, they'll run some tests and you'll have peace of mind and, and you'll go home. So we go to the, the local ER, they run some tests, some blood work, things like that, take some, some scans. And, uh, they found a, a blood clot in her lungs, uh, which is known as a pulmonary embolism. And uh, I'd never heard those two words before in my life. I'm like, is this bad? They're like, oh, yeah, um, it's it's ambulance time. So, you know, we, I've got the three-day-old in the car seat. We thought we were just going in for some tests and we'll go home. And you know, I've got to take the three-year-old, a three-day-old, and we're going downtown to the hospital. And, you know, there's a moment, you know, I talk about moments a lot, where I'm driving on the highway and, you know, you hear an ambulance come up behind you and... Um, it splits the highway and, you know, your whole world goes driving past you. And, you know, I'm looking at a three day old in the back, wondering if I'm doing this alone. Um, thankfully everything's fine. They caught it when they did. Um, she's still with us and, and we got to keep moving forward. Um, there's a video that I watched, uh, in the hospital. This was three weeks after the Ryder cup in 2018. Uh, they surfaced the video, uh, from team Europe in 2018. Thomas Bjorn had a, uh, a motivational video um, shows team and it's three past players talking to the team. It's Brian Huguet who played for Great Britain back in the sixties, uh, Sam Torrance and Jose Maria Alfabel. And at the end, you know, Brian Huguet talked about, he goes, don't leave with any regrets, you know, come Sunday, make sure you left it all out there. And I was already starting to look at my life as, you know, being a golf professional is one of the great honors that I've ever had. Um, and Mike, you just mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, am I really talking to these people? Look, you know, we're, we're all brought together by this game. You know, that's, but what I loved most about being a golf professional is I get to meet so many people like you on a daily basis, you know, and I was so curious about other people and where are you from and tell me about you and how did you get into the game? You know, I'm having to answer your questions, but I'm just as curious about all of you. Um, and where have you been and where are you going? So, uh, 2018, uh, that, that shook us up. And my wife, you know, kind of asked, she goes, you know, usually you're traveling around with members this time of year and going to warm places and playing golf. You know, can you just kind of stay close to home? Because even though they put her on blood thinners, we didn't know if she's going to wake up tomorrow. Uh, that was just the reality. Um, and it probably took her close to a year to, to accept that, like, if I'm on this medication, that can't happen again. So in the fall of 2018, um, staying home and Minnesota winters and they're long and they're dark and 
not much to do and I'm not much of a TV guy. I got the drawing board out and I just started, uh, I was drawing the course map for Marion and um, I was doing it for me. I was just, you know, let's see if I can recreate it. And then I had this white space because the, the golf, the golf course is kind of like this L and I had this white space. And I started doodling the, the trophies and all the, the championship history they've had there. And I got like halfway through it and I, I sent a picture of it to uh, the pro at Pebble Beach. His name is John Salwin. Uh, he was a member at Marion. And I said, John, what do you think of what I'm doing here? Can you even recognize what this is? And he's like, yeah, that's cool. Um, you know, we've got the U.S. Open next year. Why don't you draw something for me? So I, I kind of went out and got a better drawing board and better pencils and better stuff. And I came home. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I can do this better than, I'm, than what I'm doing now. And did this piece for John. And, you know, at the bottom it had the old logos from the Opens at Pebble, like, you know, from 72 and 82 and 92. And the winners and the winners and what they the shot. Winners. And I, right. I, I, saw, I saw the whole thing. How many under they yeah. were. I listened. I said, Tiger's on there. Yep. Yeah, I saw I saw it. Yeah, yeah, I heard out about that stuff. I saw that thing. Yeah. So, you know, I got done with that and uh, there was still some winter left. And um, I had become friendly with Tom Coyne, who's an author in Philadelphia, you know, kind of goes on these journeys around the globe. And in uh, in 2019, he was going to do this this trip across America and really discover what golf looks like in America. And I told Tom, I said, look, I've I've had this vision for something that I want to draw um, with the U.S. Open. When you find yourself at Hazeltine in these places in Marion, you're, I'm talking about the history of golf all the time. And I constantly found myself being like, well, you know, that was, that happened in 1962, you know, when Jack won here, you know, and, and over here. And, and I just, I wanted to have a reference on my wall instead of pulling it up on Wikipedia. So drawing the logos was fun for me. It was, it was time consuming, paying attention to the detail. So I just kind of drew the history of the U.S. Open with all the logos of the clubs that had hosted it, um, all the scores of the players that had won it. And again, I was doing it for me, um, but Tom Coyne loved it. Um, he took some copies with him as he went across the country in 2019. He was going to play all the U.S. Open courses and he started giving it away. And I think when we started getting interest from people being like, this is cool. Where do I buy it? I'm like, I, I'm really glad you like it. I can send you one, but I can't, I can't sell this. Um, I don't know what how that works, but. I was still the pro at Hazeltine. It was, it was just a hobby. Um, so I think long-winded answer to kind of tell you is like, I think going back to the Tiger story, it's my perspective on like what was most important in life was shifting from that moment um, in 2018 with my wife and her health scare and picking back up the pencil again, um, not with any plan to become an artist, but that's just what kind of happened. Um, those two worlds just kind of intersected at that time. As you said before, it's it's just having the right opportunity and, and having like like this path that you're on that you don't even know you're on. You know, you go back to like all the interviews you did while at Marion that you didn't get to get you to Hazeltine, to get you to that point, to be up in Minnesota, those cold winters, to get you. It's, it's just a path that it's it's crazy to, to get on there. And I, I will say, I, I know Mike said he saw it. They're amazing. I, I when I first, when we talked about having you on and I first Googled it and looked at the images, I legitimately, I thought on the, on the image search, I thought they were pictures, like computer done pictures, but they're, they're really intricate. You do a great work there. I, you know what I love about, I love about them is just being like the golf nerd that I am. And obviously we all love the majors when they come around that it's not just geared towards, you know, like the United States Open. Like, yes, you have one that has all those logos, but then 
you know, as I've continued to just like look and look around and just dig and dig, you got the Masters, you got the Walker Cup, you know, you got the British Open. And and I know Ryan's a history nerd too. It's like just being able to go back and like, because at times people bring up this major or that major, like that artwork is just so unique and so rare that I can see it being a hot commodity if I have a room in my house that I want to hang some golf memorabilia up, like what better way to do it than something that's cool like that? Because the logos are sweet. I think the logos are really cool. They really are. Who doesn't love a good golf logo? No, I think that's, you know, what kind of happened uh, accidentally, Mike, is I was drawing it because I want to talk about the history, but inevitably what happened because I had him up in my office at Hazeltine was, you know, so many people walk in my office and they come from all over the place. And um, it allowed people, you know, if you were to walk in my office and we got connected on this because Ryan commented on a post I made about Balthasrol. And um, I was like, well, you know, where's, where's Ryan from? You know, where's Mike from? Like, look, you guys are from New Jersey, you know, so we immediately have a conversation starter. Um, Logos allow people to have the opportunity to do that. You know, when I see people at events and, you know, if I see you wearing a New York Rangers logo, I'm probably going to say something to you, you know, because I'm a Rangers fan. He might be a Devils fan or something else, right? But it's it's that unspoken way of saying, like, we're all part of the same tribe. And when you have all these different logos on the same piece of artwork, inevitably somebody's like, oh, I'm from there. There's my favorite course. There's my favorite player. Here's where I'm from. Here's where I'm going. Here's where I haven't played. It just kept the conversation going. Um, so I think that's what we kind of learned about this artwork is, like, it just creates a conversation for people. Um, it allows you to talk about a sport that you're passionate about and you know, what's your connection with the game and how did you get into it? The things that we're talking about today. You, you talked about moments and, and that's another one you could put on there. Like I'm from there. I'm from there. I had this moment there, or, you know, I, I talk about Tori and the, and the moments that I had there when I got to play it, it was just, again, you, when you talk about all those things, it's, it's really remarkable. I mean, and I, I think, and I guess like the coolest one to me, and I don't know if you want to say, quote, it's your most popular one, but the Ryder Cup one, to kind of bring the whole conversation full circle is like so cool because I think what gets lost a lot of times is, is you know, who won, where was it again? Can you remind me? What was the score? You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah there. And, and that one specific art piece that has or artwork that has the logos the results how it's all boxed in right around the Ryder cup itself like talk a little bit about that one is is that your like masterpiece in a sense at this point well it's definitely the one that's most personal to me uh because of the relationship that i had with it um but I think when the, I'm, I'm a storyteller at heart, I try to remind people like I'm a storyteller first, I draw a second. What is the story of the Ryder Cup? And I had done so many presentations on the history of the Ryder Cup to get people specifically in the Minnesota area prepared for like, what is this tournament? Why should you care? <clears throat> Why does it matter? And if you go back to the history of trying to condense this in 90 seconds, but you know, the Ryder Cup was born of Walter Hagen in the late you know, 1910s, early 1920s taking it a, a quote unquote team of Americans over to try and win the open championship. He's like, look, you know, they won ours. We haven't won theirs. Uh, Jock Hutchinson won the first open championship, I think in 1920, but it was when the Americans were over there playing the open championship that you know, the Brits were saying, 
let's just have some little side matches on this. And it, you know, it was when Samuel Ryder kind of picked up on it. He's like, I'll donate the trophy. And they played one, you know, really at, uh, 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 they played one at Wentworth, I think in 25. And I think they kind of said like, we should do this again. And you know, the first official was at Wooster and mass in 1927, but that's what started. It was just the camaraderie and, and getting these people together to, it wasn't really so competitive as much as camaraderie. Um, we lost the Ryder Cup for 10 years because of the war from 37 to 47. You want the artwork to, we know World War II in there. Um, and if people know the story about uh, Robert Hudson, who was a farmer in Portland, you know, he was the one who self-funded the Ryder Cup in 47 to bring it back. You know, mo- some people would think it should be named the Hudson Cup because of that. Um, but we take it through the evolution of, you know, is USA versus Great Britain? Where did Europe come into the mix? Uh, where did Tony Jacklin come into the mix in 1981-83? Um, and how did Europe start to assert themselves as a team through the late 80s, you know, and, and how it's become the rivalry that it is today? I think a lot of people think the Ryder Cup just started in 91 at Kiowa. I'm like, well, you know, it goes back farther than that. <laughs> um, so I try to help people understand, like, how did we get here and where are we and where are we going? And, you know, where where professional golf is going is unknown. Uh, but all I can try to do is help people understand, like, you know, when we talk about players getting paid to play in the Ryder Cup, we have to understand that for almost a hundred years now, these people have made it become what it is. You know, people like Jack Nicholas and Tony Jacklin and Robert Hudson, like those people should be getting a paycheck long before any player today gets it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's so good. Yeah. You're, you're telling a story of by painting it and by drawing it and doing all the, the artwork. And like you said, you got world war two stuff on there on the flip side that Tom's doing his stuff with his, Right. His art is done by words and yours is done. But you're both telling a story uh, in both kind of ways. It's it's really interesting. Do you and Tom work together a lot or is there just like as a relationship? Are you guys like friends that's blossomed from that or? Yeah, we've been friends. Yeah, we've been friends for a long time. You know, going back to his Ireland book, uh, there was a a late author named Jim Finnegan in in Philly that I'd always ask Jim, like, hey, Jim, any any books I got to read? And he's like, yes, you have (laughs) to. Uh, this book about a man who walked around Ireland, played every course around the coast of Ireland. And to find out that Tom lived in Philly, you know, I immediately reached out to him. We've been friends ever since. So that was all just a, an accident, you know, Ryan, with just me giving him the U.S. Open artwork and him taking it around. The the part of this journey that I think your listeners would be interested to know is, you know, if, if I try to to summarize you know, what the last few years of my life would look like, um, I think by the summer of 21, you know, I've I recognize that just all the hours and the things that I put into the job, the sacrifice of hosting majors and the hours that go into the job, I, I was missing watching my kids grow up. And I felt like I had to make a choice between the two. The, the two couldn't coexist. I kind of got to a place of peace of I've gotten to do so much in golf that I never thought I would have a chance to do. Um, the last frontier for me is to be a husband and father. You know, I need to be there while I have my girls and while I can watch them grow up. So we left Hazeltine without really a plan of what we're going to do. It's just, we'll figure it out. And uh, the artwork wasn't really even the top 50 of the conversation. Um, there was a gentleman named Shane Ryan uh, who writes for a number of different uh, publications, Golf Digest being one of them. And I had sent Shane the Ryder Cup piece and he, he's like, what is this? And I, when I explained it to him, he put out a story on us uh, Christmas Eve of 21. And that was maybe a push in the direction uh, that we're in now. Um, I kind of went back to the USGA. I mean, look, I grew up in Baskin Ridge in the shadow of Far Hills, and I know all these people. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. 
I went back and I said, look, we've joked about this before, but let's have a serious conversation. What does this look like if I were to ever pursue this? And um, with the logo piece specifically, you know, they said, look, we love it. Um, we hope we, we were hoping you would ever come back to this. But um, when it comes to the club logos, we don't own those. You're going to have to go to every club and get permission to use the logo on the artwork. Um, and we didn't understand what that journey was going to be like, or is it even possible? Um, and Ryan, you kind of hinted at earlier in the call, like, I've had all these relationships, you know, in the position that I was in at Hazeltine with all these other club pros that it had a chance because I could get the call back. Um, but there are two roads. There was the, we don't ask for permission. We open up a online shop and we sell as many as these we can until somebody says stop. Uh, but look, how is the game of golf played? I mean, we, we play the game without a referee around. We call the penalties on ourselves. It's a game of honor. Like that was never in play for us. Um, so we did it the hard way. And uh, you know, we started in July of 2022 with the U.S. Open piece, 51 yeses. We have to get 51, not 48, not 45. You know, we have to get them all. And if somebody says no, pack it up and go home. Um, it took us eight months. And I think when I look at that journey, the unknown every day of like, is this going to fall apart tomorrow? The reason it succeeded is because of people helping people. Um, I think the list of people that got involved by the end was somewhere between three to 400 people, um, the people part of my life wow. in different ways that believed in what we were doing. Um, so when I look at the artwork now, and I hope, you know, if people ever put it in their home or their office, they're not just reminded of the history of the game, which is great. Um, but they see a community of people. And that's why I'm on these calls is like, we're all in this together. We all love the same game. We're coming at it from different places. Um, but the, the minute that I stopped, talking to people like you or, you know, it's, I miss that part, you know, being a pro is, is these interactions and understanding, you know, what is it that makes you love the game? You know, what's your story? And uh, if the artwork starts these conversations, uh, then I think that's the real beauty that's come of it. It's so, uh, it's so spot on with what Mike and I say all the time that it's just, it's amazing how, you know, Mike and I don't have, like, we're not, we didn't go to journalism school or anything like that. We just, we kind of start this as, as two guys that just like golf. And it's amazing how open people have been. And it's a testament to the golf community. Like you said, everyone's just been like open to, to help or, or someone, Hey, I know this guy, I can help you with this. Just like with your, you got 300 people, 52 logos, 51 logos. You're looking at four people, a lot your four or five people, a logo the math just adds up that you're going to have people helping people for, for those. So that's, it's an incredible community, the golf community. Uh, and Mike and I say it all the time. Yeah, because we can attest to it. I mean, think about it. You know, we've been fortunate in, in really of 18 months of being in this operation to get connected with like Dottie Pepper to connect us with Dan Hicks, who then got us Jim Nance to then get Stuart Hagestad to sit down in person with Michelle. Wee West, like it's crazy that two guys like us that, stumbled upon this journey 18 months ago with legit no idea what to do but then just to meet people to network with people and let them know like listen we're here just to showcase the good that golfing is here in the garden state and if there's a way to expand that like let's do it and to your point it just speaks volumes that it is amazing but i do want to also before and i don't know what your time is and if you got to get going but i do want to talk about archive 22 um, because I, I kind of have seen, you know, as we've discussed your journey from like the beginning here in New Jersey to now to today, 
like I've scrolled through archive 22 and, and, and again, like, I guess I'm flabbergasted that you got to go to every single damn golf club to get their approval to put on it because that didn't even cross my mind. Um, <laughs> but they're all there. And when you see like the PGA championship, you see the U S open, you see the Ryder cup, like the fact that you had to, you still probably to this day have to call them for that is mind boggling. And, and I love the concept of archive 22 looking to kind of like expand now to not only just be like yours, but in a sense, have a network of people, a community that all have the same process, the same mindset and the same goal really at the end of the day. Tell me a little bit about archive 22. Yeah, I think, uh, I remember when you were trying to figure out what the next step is after Hazeltine and, you know, my wife's like, look, I know we're making the right decision here, but help me understand what's next. Cause I'm kind of freaking out about where the next paycheck's going to come from. It's so mine, right? I get it. Um, and as we're weighing things out and, you know, what is something that would allow me to stay home with my family and be a, a bigger role in my kid's life? Um, it seemed like all signals kept coming back to, to the artwork. And, uh, I remember kind of pitching it to her and I was like, I think this is it. I remember she kind of was like, and what else? Cause this can't all be it. And, um, <laughs> I'll say this, like, I want to give her a lot of credit. Um, if people watch, uh, there's a reel I made on my, my Instagram on uh, Small Business Saturday, which now I think about completely different than, than I had before. Um, you know, I talk about perspective a lot. Um, the movie Feel the Dreams, you know, I've watched for years. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and I used to think that movie was about a man and his convictions and following his gut. And, um, or it was about, you know, um, the other, you know, Terrence Mann and you know James Earl Jones playing that that role is like it's about a dream that he never told anyone about or it was about Moonlight Graham coming so close to a dream then getting it back and then having to surrender it all again and what I missed in that movie was like that was all made possible because the wife supported it right um, so I think our journey that we've been on you know one my wife saved money for us for all the years I was at Hazeltine that allowed us to go basically a year without income to, to get to a place where we could start launching some of these. Um, I said, look, if we can just get one of these pieces across the finish line, then this, and then this, and then this. And then, you know, I had a business plan to go into other, other leagues, which we're starting to do now with the NHL. But um, I said, I want to, I want to lead with the artwork. Um, and then I want to storytell and I'm starting to write. Um, I want to start getting in front of audiences and sharing my perspective on and not just history and why it matters, but on life. Um, I think I have a message for people, you know, it's why I left my job. Um, and I think what I've, I've kind of stumbled upon here is in leaving Hazeltine, I had so many people reach out to me and be like, you know, why, why'd you leave? And when I explain it, men specifically, you know, I've kind of said, look, I'm having the same struggle of, you know, what am I chasing? You know, is it the accomplishments or the accolades or the money or the title? And am I going to miss what's most important? And I keep going back to, uh, again, that video that I watched from Ryder Cup Europe in 2018 saying, like, don't leave with any regrets. And um, I'm not. And I don't want others to, to as well. So Archive 22, you know, we're going to talk about what we learned from history. Um, but we want to have perspective. And I'm just trying to share that perspective, whether it's through social media, coming on podcasts like yours. Again, I want to start to write. Uh, but I want to encourage other people. Um, I did it for so long through golf and helping people play better golf. 
but at the end of the day, I was just more of a friend to everyone. Um, and I still want to wear that hat. It just looks a little different now. That's all. Yeah. It's, uh, listen, I know, I know the behind the scenes with, with the wife and, and the, I got two little girls myself that are, that are 12 and nine and, and the sacrifices they make. Like, listen, I, I say to Ryan all the time, you know, part of this job doing this is like, you're playing Tetris with your life and prioritizing things sometimes is, is very hard and, and time in 24 hours, um, finding the time to do things, um, the important things, you know, truly, truly do matter. But, um, I listen, I, I probably could keep talking to you forever, but I do, before we end, you know, I know that we've recently had Dave Reasoner on the show and I know you got a great story of, about Dave and, and the PGA show. And I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't have you share that story to this audience here in New Jersey that, Again, when they listened to that episode with Dave, it was like one of the most DM'd received shows I we had gotten because yeah. he's like a mystery to some people. And getting a hold of Dave was not easy. But when I finally did and we got him on, it was like, all right, let's let's talk. So let's spill the beans a little bit here. Well, to preface, I think what people got from they listened to that show or they're familiar with Dave at all is he, he has a, a great reputation as a golf professional. And the preface for this story is, you know, he's able to acquire a lot of talent around him because he's helped so many people go on to further success. So, you know, like Bob Ford, who I worked for, you know, you knew if you were just going to get close to working with Bob, you're going to have a chance to succeed. And, uh, and Dave has made that reputation for himself. I mean, look, at he became a golf professional, what, 24, 25, right? Um, so this was at the PGA show, I want to say five, six, seven years ago, which is actually going on this week today. Uh, I'm not there this year, but... Um, we were at the Peabody Hotel, which is right across from the convention center, and uh, they had built this new bar and become the kind of the hangout for golf professionals at the end of the day. And I think I was getting ready to leave, and you know, Dave was talking with the staff. They they had interned or they had interviewed a bunch of interns. You know, all the PGM universities bring their interns down, and all these kids are, you know, it's like rush week. They're they're trying to figure out where they're going to spend. <laughs> the uh, so, Dave, all right, guys, who are we going to hire? And they said, you know, this guy. And um, so get him on the phone. And Dave gets this young man on the phone. He goes, hey, it's, you know, so-and-so. This is Dave Reasoner from Ridgewood. You know, you want to come work for me this summer? Well, where are you? Okay. He goes, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to get to the Peabody uh, bar. Right? 15 minutes and welcome to Ridgewood. Ready, set, go. Hangs up the phone. And he's like, you know, start the timer. And and I was getting ready to, like, go back out to my room. And I was like, I kind of need to stick around to see if this could come up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so get another drink and you know some some time's gone by and yeah, i think 20 minutes have gone by and i was kind of staying close to dave and this kid comes running in in a suit and he's like, mr reasoner mr reasoner it's you know it's it's i'm the guy and he goes sorry kid you know your time's up yeah you missed it and he goes no no, no you i ran through like five red lights i illegally parked my car outside and he, you know and dave goes you really want to work at ridgewood don't you he goes you you have no idea they, you know, along with this new bar, I think they just built this new outdoor pool and it's got this big water slide going down into it. Dave kind of like looks outside. He goes down that water slide and welcome to Ridgewood. You know, the kids like, you know, giving this phone to people. He's like, I'll do it. And uh, the whole bar now started to like push outside to, to the terrace. You know, in the dark, the kid goes out full suit down the slide, you know, swims out. Dave kind of like raises, raises his hand like a champion. He's like, what's your name again? Yeah. You know, he's like, everyone, you know, it's, it's Evan. Welcome to Ridgewood. And 
you know, it has a little bit of that old school feel to it. Like you're, like you're rushing a frat. I think what Dave has done so well is like, he's very serious about his business, but he has a lot of fun doing it. And his staff would run through a wall for him. And it's because of moments like that, you know, I, and the kid's got a story, you know, yeah. uh, same as me and same as Dave, just dropping off his resume. It's like, there are these moments that either send you down a, a path that you wouldn't have otherwise been on. And, um, but yeah, when you mentioned Dave, that's one of the stories that immediately, immediately comes to mind. <laughs> that's such a great story. And and you're right to a testament to Dave is passionate about what he does. And he's, he's, uh, uh, what's the word you said? Um, like convicted in how he's going to run it and he's going to run it professionally, but he's going to have fun doing it. And that's, that's exactly it. That has that like rush frat kind of twist on it but it's it's not in like a a hazing kind of way it's more of a like a you know having fun with it and that's exactly that's the vibe i got when when i interviewed dave and that's definitely the reputation he has and that's uh that's among mike and i you know yeah like you said he's i don't work for him and i'd run through a wall for him so mike and i have heard dozens of stories about dave and that's up there as, as one of the better ones that's a good one yeah but Chandler, listen, I can't thank you enough for, for giving us some time today. Um, you know, I, I knew and I know that the audience is going to love these stories, and I'm sure my phone will be jacked up after this comes out. Um, but again, I, I want to thank you for, for giving us some of your time today. No, you're welcome. And uh, keep up the great work you guys do. Look, you give people like me a platform to come on and tell my story. And we're in this awareness building phase. So I have to tell my story a lot. So thanks for giving me an opportunity to do that. But again, we all love the same game, you know, for, for various different reasons. You guys are great storytellers, uh, continue to do. And I think the last thing that came across just when I listened to some of your stuff is, uh, the gratitude that you guys feel for what the game has given you. And, uh, and that's what we all share in common. It's like, we'll never be able to give back to golf to what it's given us. So keep up the great job, what you're doing. And I hope our, our paths will cross when I come back home. Absolutely. For sure. Thank you, Chandler. Take care. You got it, guys. Name a better feeling than buying something you know you can take and wear anywhere. Money spent on quality products is money well spent. Even more so when you can rock that purchase just about anywhere. Why would you spend a fortune on clothes you'll only wear to the golf course when you could buy gear that's just as nice at home? at a holiday party or work event, yet comfy enough it doubles as loungewear. Obviously, we'd all love to be playing 36 holes every weekend of the year, but just because you have to sneak in a quick nine before work doesn't mean you need a change of clothes. And as winter closes in, check out their new festive hoodies and beanies to fight off the chill at www.swannies.co and use code THEDROP25 for 25% off. Swannies is your go-to from work to golf and everything in between. Thank you.